You're listening to the Fertility Academy Podcast, Episode 33. Today, I'm going to be sharing another interview that's part of our Fertility Stories series, so stay tuned. Welcome to Fertility Academy, a podcast where we provide you with information and tools to help you optimize your fertility to grow your family no matter where you are in your fertility journey. We offer interesting, creative, and evidence-based information and give you practical tools to help you get closer to your goal of building a family. I'm your host, Michelle Kapler. I'm a fertility-focused acupuncturist and Chinese medicine practitioner, board-certified fertility specialist, and fertility coach with over 10 years of experience helping my patients build their families. I'm so glad you're here with us. Let's get on with the episode. Hello and welcome. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Today, I'm going to be sharing another installment of the Fertility Stories series. I'm talking with my patient, Melanie, today, who's going to tell us her story of persistence. After 12 years, six miscarriages, surgeries, medications, all of the testing, poking and prodding, and a whole lot of self-awareness, she's finally feeling like her family's complete. I really admire Melanie's intuition and gut instinct and how she continually insists that that be her guidepost. So without further delay, here's my interview with Melanie. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me, Michelle. So I've already talked a little bit about you in the introduction to this episode, but I'd love to hear in your own words. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I'm a mom of two, currently expecting my third. We've been married now for, oh my goodness, like I don't even know, it's a 12 years now. My husband and I, Richard, have been married. Um, we always knew we wanted a big family. Well, we wanted a big family. We were always hoping for four kids and our journey has not been what we expected. So um, that's kind of been how I came to meet you and uh, start on this journey. That's right. So when I first met you, you were actually quite a bit into your journey. You already had your two boys. You were looking to have a third. Um, Mm -hmm. But the road that you had to take to even get to your two boys was, you know, quite a challenging one at times. So could you tell us a little bit about that from the beginning? Sure. Um, So, you know, it kind of starts with Richard and I actually met in high school. So we've been together for over 20 years um we dated for 10 years and then when we got married you know we were excited to start a family and had no idea what the challenges were that we were going to face moving forward we were in our late 20s we just thought okay we get married we have kids we thought we have four kids um and you know the first in a, in a couple months of being married we had our first pregnancy but it, it ended pretty fast. So I was probably about six weeks along and I had my first miscarriage. I had no idea that that was even something that happened, to be brutally honest, because my mom had never had any pregnancy losses. And, you know, my mom and I have a good relationship and we talk about a lot. And so we never had that conversation because she didn't have that experience. Um, so it was quite devastating, but we were determined to keep going and, and, you know, try again. My doctor had said, you're young and, you know, you're in good health and there shouldn't be any problems and just get started. So once it was, you know, we waited for a cycle or two and then we started again and a year passed and there was nothing. So at the end of that year, you know, feeling very frustrated, um, 
I spoke to my doctor and said, can you refer me to a clinic? Because I don't know what else to do at this point. And so she referred me to a fertility clinic. And we started that process, um, which was a hard process. Again, no, but I don't think anybody's ever prepared for the emotional um, aspect of a fertility journey and all of the testing and the early mornings and the monitoring um, that goes into it for both of us. So, you know, it was emotionally draining on us and um, then to find out that there was no cause. So our diagnosis was unexplained infertility. And the doctor who was um, in charge of our case had suggested that, you know, you know what, why don't you take a couple months and just try um, now that you've done all the testing and we know that everything is okay. And then let's see, you know, let's revisit at the end of the summer. So we did and um, we got pregnant and, you know, everything looks great. It was a good start to the pregnancy. Um, I think I was about nine and a half weeks pregnant when they discharged me from the clinic. They officially I graduated from the fertility clinic and the monitoring. And I had an appointment with a midwife and I was, you know, getting ready to kind of start that journey. And then around 11 weeks, I started to feel like my symptoms were disappearing. And I was, I got really concerned. Um, and, you know, I said to Richard, I know I have a, a midwife appointment coming up, but I don't know, something is wrong. Something is off. So he said, you know what, you, you trust your instincts. If you think something is off, what do you want to do, right? Do you want to go to the emergency room? Like, what do you want to do? So I said, yeah, I think we should go to the emergency room just to put my mind at ease. So we went to the emergency room and we did all the blood work. Everything looked fine. And then they were sending me an ultrasound. But at the time that we had gone, it was late in the evening. So I had to come back the following morning for the ultrasound. I still wasn't feeling at ease. And then by the next morning, I went on my own. Because Richard had come with me and, you know, you go to the emergency room, you're there for out. So the next morning I said, you know, I can go on my own. It's just for the ultrasound. And from the time I was on the table, the tech was taking too long. I was like, this is not, I know this is not going to end well. So they sent me back to wait for my results. And then um, and they told me that, you know, they couldn't find a heartbeat. And, you know, this was a miscarriage and started to give me an option. So I called Richard. He came, he came because I just couldn't fathom driving home alone. And... Um, you know, we came home and we took, I had to take a Mr. Crawl. I took a week off from work. And then just because we were so close, we were at, you know, almost 12 weeks. And I, it was a very difficult loss. I think that was one of the most difficult losses that we experienced. So once we um, kind of came out of the fog of that, you know, we decided, okay, well, we had a follow-up with the, clinic and right away I felt they wanted to rush me to IUI so the options were okay well let's do IUI we don't know why this loss happened but we think you should you know start planning for IUI and I just felt like I know it sounds bad but I just felt as if the rush to IUI felt like a money grab it felt like why did I have that miscarriage you know what was the reason and just as I had that miscarriage, 
I broke out into hives. And those hives, I had, I had had hives maybe about five years prior to that. Um, and I had suffered with hives, chronic hives for two years. Gone to specialists, nobody knew what was wrong. I just had to take antihistamines every other day. And then event, they just cleared up on their own. So here I was again, just had a miscarriage, broke out into these hives, which were coming on every other day. And I was just, I wasn't convinced that IUI was the right direction for us to go in. I just felt in my gut like something is wrong. Something is preventing me from carrying the term. And I don't want to keep getting pregnant and having more losses without at least taking a look at what the causes might be. And I didn't feel like the clinic was really open to that. So at that point, I didn't really know what to do next. Um, and I had had a friend who was experiencing similar fertility issues, and she had been looking for alternatives as well, having similar experiences with um, fertility clinics as I was having. And she decided to start to seek out alternative medicine. So she had gone to a herbalist and um, the first herbalist, we, we don't know whether he was really very, he really knew what he was doing. It was a bit sketchy, I won't lie. Well, I would say that long ago, herbalists probably weren't regulated in any way. No, they were not. And he definitely was not. And so we're like, hmm, I don't know about this. So we kept looking. And then, um, you know, at, at that stage, I had also decided to start to learn more about my cycle because I, I didn't know anything much about my cycle, about cervical mucus, um, temperature. Like I didn't know anything about um, how do you track your cycle and understand the health of, you know, women's health. I had no understanding of that. Um, and we had happened to, you know, I do practice faith and we had happened to hear about natural technology at um, mass one Sunday and decided, you know what, maybe we should go to some of the classes to learn more. It was actually Richard who said, what do you think? Maybe we should go and learn more about you know women's health about your cycle what do you think and I was like yeah you know what it can hurt so we did sign up and we went to a class and I, I actually found it extremely eye-opening when I learned about my cycle about uh, birth control and the way that birth control works I had no idea about even you know when you sign up for birth control because I had been on birth control for many years what the, the effect of the active ingredients does to your cycle I didn't know how it prevents pregnancy exactly so learning all of that learning about my cycle that really started to open my eyes to the fact that maybe something was wrong and there were other clues that could tell me besides the testing that we had done with the clinic that I really hadn't explored so I ended up getting referred through um, nap, nap, through technology to a family doctor who specializes in fertility that's my current family doctor. And I started seeing her. And then I also started meeting with a nurse who taught me how to track my cycles and to use cervical mucus to determine, um, you know, the health of my cycle and, uh, you know, when your fertile periods are, etc. So that was a really great experience. It was a very positive experience for, for us as a couple because we did it together. 
Um, and, you know, my family doctor was excellent and started to say, okay, we're going to start going through, she has a checklist of, let's start to rule out, you know, different things. She was testing me for uh, vitamin D. She was testing me for all of these things that the, the clinic had not done. Um, so it's a, it's a different approach to looking at fertility. Not that there weren't some, I would say, traditional medical procedures that she wanted me to do. There were, but she definitely was looking at my, my our case a bit differently. So we were looking, you know, we started to do that through the expiration. And I said to her, I was like, I think these hives are related. Like, I think they're connected in some way, shape or form to my fertility. And I don't know how, but my gut tells me that it is. So she said, okay, let's explore. Let's send you to an endocrinologist. Let's, you know, let's see what specialists there are out there to, to determine what might be happening with your hives. Um, you know, is it linked to your thyroid? Like, what could it be? Let's start with so I think at that point, we might have been a year into that journey. And at this point, I mean, when we got married, from the time we got married and started trying until we had our first, it was five years, six years or five years that that took us. So, you know, we were a year in, doing all this testing. I had gone for procedures to check and, you know, uh, they had done some exploratory surgery. I did all of these things. Uh, still no answers, no real answers. We did discover that my thyroid was a little bit off. So that was definitely something that, you know, she adjusted and wanted to monitor. But it wasn't severe. Um, and I wasn't showing up with any of the other um, conditions, severe conditions that you can have with your thyroid. So, you know, that wasn't the true answer, but one part of the puzzle. And then... You know, same thing when I did the XP surgery, everything seemed clear. There were no, I thought maybe I would have come up with fibroids or, you know, something, but nothing if that was all clear as well. Um, and my hives were still raging on. <laughs> I couldn't figure out what else to do. And then my doctor had said to me, okay, you know what? Um, food intolerance testing is something that a lot of people are doing now. And I would suggest that you do it. When I heard the cost of the food intolerance test, and I was like, I am so tired of being poked and prodded and tested and whatever. I don't know if I want to do this test. I don't know. To come back with another, you know, we don't know. I was just kind of feeling very frustrated and, and a bit despondent at that point. Um, but interestingly enough, just at that time, uh, my friend who had also struggled and, we were, you know, we had looked for herbalists together, had found this other herbalist who she had success with and had said, look, I wouldn't send you if I didn't trust you because I know what our first experience was like. And I do think that you should go and see this person um, because they, they really did help me. So I said, okay, let me go and see, you know, what they have to say. And when I met with them, they told me right away, like, your hives are connected to your liver, your liver is connected to hormones, and you need to address your hives first. Before you can even think about getting pregnant, we need to address your hives. And once you address your hives, then we can start to look at getting pregnant. And actually, at, at that point, um, I didn't even remember this. As we're talking, it came to me too. I had also started trying acupuncture and Chinese herbs. Um, and I was seeing some success in, in the sense that my hives were taking longer before they reappeared. So instead of every other day, I was seeing every other, you know, three days 
40s, sometimes I would see. So it was kind of lengthening the time between them. But what this herbal has said to me is, you know, she, she took a look at all of the herbs that I'm taking. She said, these are all good, but you can't try and do everything under the sun. You don't want to know what's working and what's not. Let's kind of take a step back and just address your hives. Like just focus on the hives. Once we get the hives out of the way, then we can determine, you know, how do you address the fertility? You can go back on the Chinese herbs if you like. I have herbs I would recommend, whatever. But don't try to do everything all at once because it's not going to help us to see what is the true issue. We can't get to the bottom of this. So I agreed. And then she also said, I know you don't want to take <laughs> that intolerance test, but I would really suggest that you do it. Because, um, you know, hives, again, relate to their liver, liver foods, right? She's like, I think there's something happening here. And I think you need to figure out what those foods might be. Here are the things that I recommend that you cut out. But I think once you do that test, you're going to see that there's a list of other foods that you need to avoid. So do the test. Fine, fine. I agree. I did the test um, kind of grudgingly. But when the test came back, I was shocked at how many foods it indicated were, were an issue for me and that I was um, showing intolerance to. So I changed my diet. Um, I started taking milk to sow and there was some other herbs that my herbalist had recommended. And within three months, the hives went away. Um, and I was shocked because I really didn't know whether or not that change would have made any difference. Um, and so once the hives went away, I just said, okay, you know, now let's start to look at your fertility. Um, and she put, put me on some Chinese herbs. And within a month, I got pregnant with my first. So I was really, uh, I think I was taken aback that that, that 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 was what led me to getting pregnant with my first. My doctor was very supportive of, you know, whatever direction I wanted to go in. And she said, look, you know your body. You are very good with trusting your instinct. And I think, you know, I I'm just here to support whatever that journey looks like. So, you know, I, I never felt with her that she was saying to me, oh, that's a crock or, you know, don't listen to that herbalist. So why are you seeing, you know, why would you consider alternative medicine? She was always really supportive of the direction that I wanted to go in. So. The pregnancy with my first was pretty uneventful once I got to my second trimester. The first trimester, I did have a subchorionic bleed. So it was, you know, a bit scary and it was, it, it did clear up on its own. But once we got into the second trimester, everything was fine. I had, you know, a, a healthy pregnancy. Um, I was able to get through vaginally with him and then. Um, I got pregnant with my second pretty quickly after that. So from the time the panel was a year and I, you know, we started trying again, we got pregnant with Sebastian pretty quickly. And again, uneventful pregnancy, pretty healthy, had him and that was fine. So of course, when I, when we thought about our third, we thought, okay, well, you know, we figured it out. We're, we're good. We should be fine. Um, and we did get pregnant pretty soon after Sebastian during the year. But, but that pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. So I can't even remember how far along I was in that pregnancy, maybe seven weeks or eight weeks along. Um, and they couldn't find a heartbeat. 
And so, you know, I thought, okay, well, you know, who knows? I don't know. I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think it was connected to anything because I had figured we had already sorted out what the issues were. And so after we recovered from that, so it's been about a year, we got pregnant again. And same thing. We, you know, my hormones weren't great in that pregnancy. You could see because my doctor, my family doctor, follows me weekly. I was on progesterone. She puts me on progesterone right away. Um, and, you know, takes my blood work every week, monitors me, takes a look to see, you know, do we need to add increased dosage, add estrogen, what do we need to do? So, um, again, that pregnancy didn't look great from the very beginning. And it didn't, it ended in another miscarriage. And then uh, we tried again. We had a third miscarriage. Um, and at that point, she said, okay, we can't keep going down this path. We have to take a pause and look and see what might be happening here. Let's do some more testing. Um, you know, I was working with a naturopath because I had a naturopathic doula for, um, for the, for the, just for, support um with both of the boys when I had them and so that naturopathic doula started working with me around my, my fertility as well she supported me through those two miscarriages of Sebastian and you know she said okay let's let's start to look as well so between her and my doctor started to take a look and see what might be happening and um, she actually said you know let's take a closer look at your thyroid because it's been a while since we've really taken a look. And I'm beginning to wonder, there are some tests that don't normally get uh, done. So you reverse T3, but sometimes um, that could be, that could have an impact on fertility. And so I requested the reverse T3 test. And, you know, as she suspected, my reverse T3 was very high. So it looked as if I was not converting my thyroid medication the way that I was supposed to to T3 and T4. Instead, it was converting to T3. The reverse T3, which was having a negative impact. So we decided to change some of my meds. I worked with my doctor to do that. And we changed my medication to try to even that out. So that seemed to have, you know, helped. And then we got pregnant again. Um, and in that pregnancy, I actually got quite sick. So I was getting ready to go on a business trip to Ottawa for a conference. And I started to have like chest pains. And, you know, I was feeling off of my breathing, felt a bit off. I knew I was pregnant. I was a bit concerned. I think I was about seven weeks at that point, eight, seven or eight weeks. Um, I had been worried about blood work just things were rising but it just seemed to me like in terms of my hormones something was off my gut just said something was off so I had decided to go to emerge again and uh, when I went to emerge of course their concern was my breathing I was having difficulty breathing um, and you know they did quite a few tests on my heart my lungs etc etc because of the pain I was feeling in my chest and I did say, you know, I'm pregnant and I'm concerned about this pregnancy. So they did an ultrasound and they took my blood work. But they weren't as concerned. They're like, oh, it seems fine to us. And maybe it's probably too small for us to see anything. So I think it should be okay. 
I wasn't convinced. And, um, and then, you know, when I did express that to the doctor, he was like, okay, well, you know, I'd have to wait. And I think you should wait another week or two just to see what might be happening. But at that stage, I, I, in my head, I was like, this is not going to end well. I knew this wasn't going to end well. Um, and then they also realized that um, I had lo a loss of lung function. So there was a small part of my lower lung, one of my lungs, that actually had looked, looked damaged. But there was no explanation for why. You know, why would your lung be damaged? I don't know. Nobody knows. I haven't been in an accident. You know, I didn't have an injury. Like, I, 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 I couldn't figure out why. They put me on oxygen and said, look, you can't fly. So that trip you have planned, you need to cancel it. And we think you need to take it easy. We're going to send you to a specialist to take a look at that lung a bit. And then you need to come back and do another ultrasound to see what's happening with the pregnancy. So a couple of days later, I went in for the ultrasound and they confirmed that I was having a miscarriage. My hormones were not doing what they should. They, the, the, I think they saw a faint heartbeat at first. And now there was no heartbeat anymore. So I knew, you know, what was happening. And, um, you know things were not going well. And I think I had shared this with you where I was in um, waiting for one of the tests. I knew that they missed, you know, I was having this miscarriage and I was thinking to myself, I don't know how I'm going to get through this emotionally, first of all. And secondly, I also knew that I would need support, that I needed something different than what I had already been doing. And I started Googling, I don't know what I Googled, and your clinic came up. And I said, you know, it was interesting because I was talking to a technician who had come out and she said, you know, she asked me if I was alone. And she had asked me, you know, you know, um, how are you? Are you okay? And you're telling me, so yeah, you know, I'm waiting for this, for this test and I'm, you know, I am in the middle of a miscarriage. And she just looked at me and she said, you know what, are you person who practices faith and I said yes I do and she said I am too and I'm just going to tell you that everything is going to be okay and I had had you <laughs> I had just googled your and I came up and there's this lady telling me this and I was like oh my goodness what is happening here anyway I knew that I needed to make an appointment <laughs> with your clinic after that something just told me look I you know this is something that I need to explore I knew that I needed support through that miscarriage, for certain. Um, and after I left, and in a couple of days' time, I made an appointment to come to see your clinic. To come for, you know, for, I think it was a, a, a consult. And Melanie, just to pause for a second, just so I have the numbers correct, this was your sixth miscarriage at this point? Yes. Okay. And I, I knew that at that stage, I did not want to have to go through another miscarriage. I was getting older. I think I was 59 at that point. Um, and I just couldn't take it. I just emotionally couldn't take it. And a couple of things that happened too, you know, because of my lung function and problems I was having with my chest, I made the appointment to come to see you all. I don't know if it was before or after that I ended up having, uh, like waking up in the night with terrible chest pains, having to go to emerge again. Um, they sat me for all these tests in my heart, nothing came back. 
and um, you know the doctor said I think it might be a strain and I had gone to a party and held Sebastian you know because he wanted to dance with me and I was holding him and it would have been four I think um, and so it really I, I did put a strain on my chest and that I decided to go to an osteopath because my mom had suggested it and when I went to the osteopath and she went through all of my history as you have to fill out in the intake form she looked at me and she said so this lung this situation with your lung um, that's unexplained do you know that there's often a link between grief and an unexplained loss of lung function I was like no so she said to me so you know you've been through a lot and you know I don't know if you've ever considered talking to someone but I really think that you might want to think about it I can't tell you what to do but you know this lung function loss that you have here that you can't explain something is going on and you know it could be that the grief that you're experiencing is showing itself up in your body so I said okay it kind of you know again I have to listen to my body right my body was clearly giving me a lot of signals with that last miscarriage that some, something was off and I needed to address it um, and I decided to go and see a grief counselor at that point and that was really I think for me um, it was the right thing to do I think it helped me I, there was a lot that I had not processed um, even though I thought I was fine <laughs> I wasn't and I, I could not imagine um, getting pregnant again and being in that emotional state so you know I took a bit of a step back I, I started working with you around initially it was just kind of balancing my body out because I was going through the miscarriage and you know I remember when I came to, to my first appointment you said look we're not going to do anything to make um, things move along necessarily with your miscarriage but it is around helping to balance your system and balance your body out and you know all four of my miscarriages after Sebastian my body didn't want to let go so I had to do Mr. Prawl several times. I did not want to do a DNC. Um, it just wasn't something that I felt comfortable doing. I felt like I wanted to give my body a chance to, you know, pass everything on its own um, as naturally as possibly uh, as possible. And uh, but unfortunately for me, the Mr. Prawl doesn't always work. And I think it's because my hormones were so high and I'm taking progesterone that it took a while for my body to really register what was happening before I was able to have, you know, to start passing anything through the miscarriage. So for all four of those pregnancies, it's been kind of stop and start. I had to go back and get monitored and see, and then, you know, do another round of Mr. Prawl. Sometimes I've done three rounds of Mr. Prawl. Um, and then, you know, I had started saying, okay, well, I did acupuncture at one point as well. And I did, use some herbs as well to help me along my naturopath did and though that is what seemed to really help things along um and so I was like you know I hadn't really explored acupuncture or herbs again to help me with my fertility and where I was at and now I was older right my body's different um and I think I, I knew that I had to take a bit of a step back address the emotional aspect of all of the loss and the grief and then try to see if I could uh, get myself in the best possible state for us to try again. So that's kind of how I came to you and, and the work that you all do in your clinic. First of all, thank you for sharing all of that. That's, 
That's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. And then there are a couple of things that I want to circle back and talk about, but just to kind of finish up the journey, because this is kind of where I came in and we got to know each other. I remember, you know, your process was, I would say compared to the majority of my patients, I always got the sense of you from you that you weren't in a hurry, that you weren't like, this needs to happen yesterday, which tends to be how a lot of people come into the experience. I have to try acupuncture. This is my last resort. I need to get things going. I want to be pregnant as soon as possible. I would have liked to be pregnant yesterday. But you always just had this very calm energy about, you know, the process and, you know, we want to make sure that we do it in a way that didn't feel stressful or overwhelming. And I remember at one point I said to you, you know, I don't think, and this was after months of working together, just doing acupuncture and herbs. And I said to you, I don't think I've ever asked you if IVF is an option for you. Because in the context of in unexplained infertility, in the context of recurrent miscarriage, there can be advantages to doing IVF. It is a technology that a lot of people with a health picture and a fertility picture like you tend to find really useful. And so I'd said to you, you know, is it on the table for you? And you said, no, it's just not on the table for me. I don't want to have that experience. I don't want to go through all of that. I don't want to be poked and prodded anymore. I don't want to go to a million appointments. And I thought, great, you know, way to know what your limits are. I'm so glad that you know that about yourself and that you're not willing to do it. And then also that it was just a matter of putting in the time for you. And I remember you saying at the end of that conversation, Richard and I have decided that we're going to try until the end of this year. And if we're not pregnant by the end of this year, then we're just going to be done and we're going to know that we did everything we could and we're going to be grateful for the two boys that we have. And I said, that's a wonderful plan. I love that. And I'm going to be here to support you in whatever way you need it. And then, well, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody how that ended on the last month of that year? Right. (laughs) Yes, because we were getting close to that deadline. (laughs) And then in August, we found out that we were pregnant, which was a bit of a surprise. And the funny story here was I had had, while I had had my period that month, I had had a picture, it was Sebastian's birthday, and I had had a picture on one of Richard's cousins who commented like privately to me and she said, oh my goodness, are you expecting? I was like, no, I have a mom, but like everybody else, right? Why would you say that to me? Like everybody has a mom, but you have mom. I wouldn't comment on your mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've got one of those too. I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) Everybody has a mom, especially after you have meals. So anyway, I was wearing like a loose dress, right? And they picked John, just the angle or whatever. And she's like, you know, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth, but I have to ask. And I was like, yeah, you just opened your mouth and you know, you just inserted your foot in your mouth. <laughs> anyway, so I was a bit like, oh, how could she say that to me? And then we found out we were pregnant a few weeks later. And I felt a bit abashed. I never told her that because I think she would probably have been like, if I told you were pregnant and you know, you, you kind of gave me the cold shoulder there. But anyway, so we did find out we were pregnant. We would have been in September that we were pregnant um, and you know we were excited but unhopeful but hesitant so that's what I would have to say you know it's been interesting because I have you know many friends and colleagues who've experienced pregnancy after loss and even though I have done you know quite a bit of work through my grief 
um, it doesn't ever really go away. So that's the, the challenge that I think it's finding joy in the pregnancy because I, I want to be happy, but I'm so afraid to get attached. And, um, you know, this pregnancy had a lot of up and downs in the first trimester. Um, you know, my hormones were doing great. And it's interesting because, you know, with so much technology and e-health records and, you know, I can see how this, the hormones of this pregnancy um, compare to the other pregnancies that I've had when I pull up my records in from the lab. And it was night and day. Like the, the level of hormones in this early pregnancy were off the charts in comparison to my other three or four uh, pregnancies before this. So I knew that things were better, but when I had dips, you know, and my doctor was concerned and up the dosage and put you on estrogen patch and whatever, those were really nerve-wracking times. Every ultrasound, I went for two ultrasounds viability and then a second one to check again because we were concerned when we saw the hormones dropping you know i had kind of was trying to mentally prepare myself that there would be no heartbeat and then against all odds i would go in and heartbeat was very strong baby was bigger than we thought like it just was kind of like uh you know shocking to me so um you know getting to the end of the first trimester i felt like i was holding my breath Richard and i both were holding our breath taking it day by day and, you know, as you know, too, emailing you, you know, getting that support, but it felt good to have the support. I knew that I could not have gotten through that first trimester without having that support of coming every week and feeling like I, I was doing everything that I could. I met with my naturopath. I was, you know, I had weekly appointments with you. My doctor was following me and calling me and I really needed that. I needed that support on top of, you know, Richard supporting me, I needed that support to just feel like I was doing everything that I could. And I remember when I was feeling really scared right before I had that second ultrasound and I was probably around 11 weeks and I thought, you know, I don't know what's going to happen at this stage. I, I was on estrogen, I was doing progesterone, I was taking herbs, everything. And, you know, you had something down, you've done everything you can. So you just have to know that. And, you know, I looked at Richard and, and I said to him, you know what, this is not in our hands anymore. Like, we really have done everything. And if this is not meant to be, I'm, we're going to have to accept it and I'm going to have to let go. You know, and anyway, and then we went for the ultrasound and then it was great news. So, you know, it, it has definitely been a, an emotional roller coaster. And the pandemic has allowed me to keep this pregnancy very quiet. There are still people who do not know. And they'll just be like, surprise, we have a baby. There are still people that don't know. Yes. And you're, I mean, Melanie is 39 weeks pregnant as we're speaking. <laughs> there are still people that don't know. And it's not intentional, you know, as we went along that we didn't tell people. It's just we don't see anybody mm -hmm. with the pandemic. And we're not announcing people anyway. So we're not the ones to make announcements on social media. Hey, we're pregnant. So, you know, it's kind of just gonna happen when they just see a third baby no it'll just be like the world will open up again and people will drop by and oh look what we did we have another family member <laughs> that's right that's right 
Oh, so good. So there's there's a couple of things for me as a practitioner that were really remarkable about your story. I mean, other than the obvious theme, which is your resilience through all of this. But other than that, I've really enjoyed as a practitioner kind of hearing about a couple of things from you. And the first one is that I really feel like the medical care that you got, especially in the time that we knew each other, is that um, the medical care that you got is just um, definitely the exception and not the rule. Yes. I feel like you found a doctor that really matched well with your needs as a patient and you just received excellent care throughout your entire experience and your doctor was really willing to honor your needs and your comfort levels and give you what you needed in order to you know physically have success but also emotionally and mentally have success and again I would say that that's a rarity in some ways and that's not it's not to say bad things about doctors because the system that we exist in here in Canada, it's it's tough to give that kind of individualized care if you're in the in, in the publicly funded system. But it was just so remarkable to me that you just had this doctor that was watching you like a hawk and made all these micro tweaks and did, you know, the investigations that the, that she ultimately needed to do to support you with the tools that she had to offer. So I thought that that was just really loved lovely to hear about because that's not the norm that I hear about in clinical practice. No, it's not. And the other thing that I really loved hearing about was just your friendship and your relationship with Richard, your husband. I it's you guys just have such a beautiful partnership because when you go through so many losses, it either brings you closer together or it tears you apart and I loved hearing that you two really allowed it to bring you closer together and make you stronger. Mhm. Yes, we did. And it wasn't always easy, you know, like I think before we had Nathaniel, it was hard. It was a lot harder before. And I, and I, you know, I'm talking to other couples who struggle with fertility, you know, when you have success in that journey, if you have success in that journey and you do have a baby, it's a lot easier to talk about it than it was before when you are in it, you know, and I think for us, there have been many twists and turns, but throughout it all, we know that it made us stronger as a couple and we learned a lot in that time that we had together because um, I mean, it was six years before we had Nathaniel and we really grew closer together and learned more about, you know, how to support each other in that time. So I think, you know, when we started again on this journey for this third baby and, and all of this started happening, he was right by my side supporting me, you know, just, okay, hon, what do you want to do next? Because, he recognizes too. I remember when I, we were first going through the journey with to get pregnant with Nathaniel. Um, there were moments that I would come home with another requisition, and I was like, I don't, you know, I'm so frustrated. I'm tired of being poked and prodded. And he'd be like, Well, just don't do the test. I'm like, What do you mean, don't do the test? I have to do the test, right? Like, I don't have a choice. I have to do this test. And he's like, Please, no. So I'm like, No, I don't have a choice. Like, if I don't do this, how will I know what's going on? And he's like, Okay. Um, you know, and I, I felt there are many moments that I felt really alone because, you know, once his test cleared, he's good to go. It's me that is left in the poking and prodding and right. Like, so I think he had moments where he was like, he doesn't know what to do because I'm coming home and I'm venting and he's trying to fix it. And then I am, you know, then yelling at him and like, what do you mean? <laughs> this is not a solution. Um, so he learned, 
he learned over that time, you know what, I have to listen and just ask him, what do you want to do? Um, because a lot of it is my body. And, you know, in that, especially in that first, um, in the, with those first miscarriages, just feeling like my body was failing me. And that was difficult to kind of process. And emotionally, it was very hard. And, you know, he had to learn how to support me. But I really think it made us much stronger as a couple. And it helped us through the second part of our journey, which has not been easy by any means. Um, but I think, I also, as you have mentioned, I know my limits. I know what I was the lengths that I'm willing to go to, which of police supports that as well. And, you know, I've said all along, look, if it is, and it's just these two boys and you're okay to be done, I'm okay to be done too. That's okay. So now though, he's like, oh, what about a fourth? I'm like, yeah, you carry that. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. The things that they just say so easily, they just fall out of their mouths. <laughs> But I will say that there's so much wisdom in your story. So first off, thank you for sharing all of that with us. I think it's going to be helpful for people to hear all of that. But one thing that I always like to ask my guests is, you know, when you're kind of, you are, well, not kind of, I mean, you're about to have the baby next week, but you're basically on the other side of it at this point. Now that you're on the other side of all of it and you're theoretically not going to have any more children. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, yes. Yeah. Would you, would you have any advice? I mean, if there's a, if there's one piece of advice that you could offer to people who are navigating fertility challenges, recurrent miscarriages, uh, what would that be? I think for sure yeah, you need a support team. You do. You definitely need a support team. And I mean, you have to find the people in your life on your personal side who support you because that is also difficult. You're going to need that. But, you know, in terms of a medical, paramedical support team, you need that too. Because I know for me, that has been what has gotten me through some of the toughest times is feeling like I have options and I have support. And Knowing that I can, I have folks on that side of my team who will respect my decisions and my limitations and what I want to do, you know. And also, I, I felt too that, you know, my doctor, yourself, my naturopath, um, always have given me options and allowed me to choose. So, you know, giving me the information and saying, hey, you know, here are some things that you might want to consider up to you if it's what you're comfortable with never feeling pushed into making a decision um i think that definitely is one of the pieces of advice that i would give people and then the second thing is follow like your gut and your instinct i remember becoming a mom and having having to learn to trust my gut but that was something that i had started doing on my fertility journey to begin with and I don't know why I stopped doing it when I became a mom. And there's a lot of noise out there, right? There's, you know, and now especially with social media, and right? Like, I think there's a lot of noise and I have to learn how to filter that out and figure out what's for me and what's not for me and what I really feel is right or something that I think, you know, again, like when I when I had said my hives are linked, I know my hives are linked. The fertility clinic didn't listen to me, right? They're like, okay, we just do IUI. I'm like, no, I'm not going to go into IUI and then, Something is going to prevent me from, you know, carrying to turn this. I can't go through this again, you know. Um, and then you're going to push me to IVF. And I just felt like it was just, where was it going to end, right? Um, and so I think same thing, trusting my gut and then having 
practitioners who then listened to me when I said, look, I think this is connected, like something is wrong. And I said, okay, well, let's take a look, right? And I felt that when I found that team, that support team, all of you have listened to me and allowed me to kind of, you know, guide the way of what next. I love it. That's such good advice. And not to go on a tangent, because sometimes I do go on tangents about this subject matter. <laughs> but I, I feel like there's this deeper cultural societal influence that we have as women where we're very much trained from a young age, from society, and also just from medicine in general, that we're not to be trusted with what we know about our own bodies. Um, you know, most of the time people go to the doctor and they say, well, my periods are really painful. Something is off. And the doctor will just say, no, 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 that's just part of having an ovary, you know, a uterus and ovaries in your body. It's just part of the female experience. So I think that's a really important message to let people know that you know your body better than anybody else. And trusting your gut is really important. Yes. Yeah, it really is. Wonderful. Well, Melanie, I don't want to take up any more of your time. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And obviously, we want to wish you the best of luck with your delivery, hopefully sooner than later. Yes, we do hope so. Thank <laughs> you very much. It's been a pleasure. So that's my interview with Melanie. I'll be back next Wednesday with another episode. Until then, take care. Thank you for joining us on Fertility Academy. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you loved our content today, please be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share it with someone who you think might find it helpful. Don't forget to subscribe to be the first to be notified of new episodes. A new one comes out every Wednesday. To keep in touch with us and to continue the conversation, you can find us over on Instagram at Fertility Academy or join us on our private Facebook group, the Fertility Academy Community. Both are linked in the show notes today. Until next time, have a great week.